Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of... Was it really meant to be? Fate versus free will. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. Michelangelo, my friend, you are there, aren't you? I certainly am, David. Good to hear your voice. Great to hear your voice, likewise. Yes. (laughs) Great, Great minds think alike. (laughs) <laughs> and why was it why why was it we decided to meet today was it really our free will or could that have been fated well i don't know i didn't direct a chart for the the time of the start of this talk but let's since you're the person with the inveterate use of their watch i have 12:53 a.m here in new york so we can always consider that map and 1:53 p.m day. here in japan yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting notion, isn't it? I mean, this, you know, you and I are both interested in different aspects of um, astrology. And as I think I mentioned more than once in our discussions, I have become quite fascinated with the workings of fate in people's minds. Now, maybe that's because I've got an elevated Saturn in Scorpio, you know. um, Oh, yes. Yeah. But. It's amazing to me, and I know you probably would echo this sentiment, how little regard the the world of the straits, let's call them that, you know, the quotidian world, seems to have for the whole quality of of moments of time. You know, you you have these people who, you know, become celebrities, let's say. I mean, I can't tell you how many of them I've run across in my researches in the last couple of years who, you know, they're really quite famous, but nobody has any idea when they were born. And, uh, you know, or when certain crucial events, you know, in their lives took place, you you research in vain online. They'll say, oh, so-and-so had an accident on such and such a date. But it's like nobody has the slightest idea what time that was. And that always is mind-boggling to me. You know, the, the, uh, what's the word I would use? You know, the, the notion of time as being a purely quantitative concept rather than a qualitative concept. Yes, you know, well put. You know, Kronos versus Kairos, you know, and um, we as astrologers, obviously, going all the way back to Ptolemy and maybe even before Ptolemy, you know, have come to recognize that moments present this potentiality for um, encoding the nature of the experience that's happening at the time or the to use, you know, natal astrology, you know, that they represent the potential for a person's life to unfold in a certain way, you know, so it's a, a decidedly different way of looking at the universe. Uh, no doubt. Uh, I'd like to ask you, how do you define fate? Because before we connect it to astrology or anything else, uh, what is fate exactly in your view? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the opposite here. I, I found the quote I was looking before when we were talking. This is from Jung, and it's actually about free will. He said, free will is the ability to do gladly that which I must do. <laughs> I, and, that's, and that's the double-edged sword, you know, of, of, of fate versus free will, which, of course, yes. has landed astrology in so much hot water down oh. through the years here in the West because of its, you know, uh, resolute rejection of, you know, uh, 
uh, orthodox Christianity as well as the you know the tyrannies of the scientific method, right? It, it, there's nothing that says in either of those that permits us to recognize that we might have an existence which is predetermined by something, you know, whether it's the the whims of a you know a, a creator god or something else, or in this case, you know, the, the moment at which we enter into physical form. Um, but you asked me a question about that, so let me think for a second. Um, well, I think fate is that thing that we cannot escape, right? I mean, we would all sort of imagine our lives to be a certain way, but as we as we get older, we recognize that for whatever reason, this time around, if you ascribe to that uh, point of view, that things are not going to um, manifest according to our our wishes, you know, according to our dreams, but that we are indeed fated. We are predestined by virtue of, again, whatever factors you want to bring into play to have a life which is of a, a slightly more modest nature or otherwise than what we had originally imagined it to be. Does that make any sense? Okay. Yes. Uh, now, you had mentioned before religion. I think that's interesting. I started out with astrology and was living in Germany back in the 70s and yeah, had yeah. bought a lot of astrology books. And some were written by Protestant astrologers, others by Catholic astrologers. Having started oh, in the 70s, a lot of the books that I read were like written in the well, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, at a time when right. more people were religious anyway, in the yeah. traditional sense. And I noticed a big difference there. The Protestant astrologers tend to talk of fate and destiny. You know, this happened because it was destined, but not the Catholic astrologers, because Catholicism mm -hmm. always stressed free will. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, Calvin, well, John Calvin in yeah. English, you know, he was all for this predestination idea. Yeah, yeah, I uh, that, And yeah. Catholics have always rejected that. Interestingly, something that's not really talked about too much is that from what I've read of quantum physics, the Protestants have been proven wrong. And, you know, I'm not a church-going Catholic by any means. I'm not, I, I don't identify with the Catholic Church. No, really. no I'm an apostate, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm not saying <laughs> I'm it for that reason. I'm a cheerful pagan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not saying it to defend Catholicism, but yeah. uh, the truth is, you know, there's some things, you know, think of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, some things are simply not predetermined. And I'm surprised yeah. that more people haven't pointed out, hey, look, here the Catholics were right. There could well be free will. In any case, there's there's more weight on their side of the balance, the scales, yeah. than on the other side now. But I did notice that difference. Uh, I've thought, though, uh, even back then, I thought there's another problem with this. When you say fate, you know, something that you can't escape, that's going to happen, something predetermined yeah. by whatever, whether it's yeah. uh, by some godlike figure, whether it's one's, uh, well, I won't say one's own inner self, because that would be free will on a different level, but say by God or by just uh, physics, you know, everything goes yeah. through a direction, so now this has to happen. There's a yeah. problem with all of that, and that's the problem of time. Predetermination presupposes that time is as we think it is. Uh -huh. But if time at another level is all one, then anything based on the idea of past, present, and future it's, it's a, has a worm in the apple, so to speak. There's something sure. wrong with that. Therefore, predetermination, I think, is is hard to to really defend. Though then mm -hmm. I understand the problems with free will, you know, saying, well, I really want to do that. Well, no, you just did it because that was, uh, I don't know, the safest path or because 
uh, your brain was working in such and such a way and neurons were firing and so you had to do it. For, I understand those arguments. Though yeah. I personally do believe in in free will. It's mm -hmm. for me, the to what extent can free will work? And then how do you define free will? That's, of course, another thing. Yeah. Uh, if, if you talk about I mean, okay, it could be, you're sitting in your chair now, I suppose. And yeah, I, yeah. I say, well, if you like, you can lift your left arm, you know, lift your hand. Okay. Well, do you really have the free will to do that? Because as you know, whether you do it or not, you could say, well, it wasn't free will. It was predetermined that you were to tell me that, and I got the suggestion, and I did it, or I didn't do it because I'm contrary. Right. Somehow that doesn't ring true with me. I personally do think we have free will to mm -hmm. a significant no, I, no, I extent. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. But I would I would qualify it myself by saying that free will lies in our responsibility to circumstances that may in fact be beyond our control. So, you know, let's let's use a hype as I said, that's echoing what Jung said, right? The, the yes, ability to yes. do gladly that which I must do. Uh let's see if I can give an example that's um, cogent. Um Yeah, well, let's just use let's just use a hypothetical one. You know, you um, you've got your heart set on being, uh, you know, uh, a, a rock and roll, you know, superstar. You know, and yeah. you're you're laboring away in your teens. You're writing your little songs, you know, and then you go and uh, you have a few of them together, and you hear that you know a record producer is coming to town, and uh, you know they're looking for new talent. You know, and you think, oh, great, you know, I I know I can write songs really well. You know, I just need a yeah. bit of a, a leg up. You know, and uh, so you go and you you play your stuff for the the producer, and, and you know it's good stuff. But he says to you, "Well, he says, you know, uh, it's really not commercial enough, kid. You know, we're really looking for stuff. You know, that they can play on whatever Spotify or you know whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, so you know, we we're really not interested. Okay. So now that that obviously has to dash your hopes. So. In what way do you respond? You know, do you um, get depressed? You know, and start drinking heavily? You know, and uh, whatever. Or do you are you so sufficiently despondent that you decide you're going to kill yourself? Or are you know are you uh, galvanized to prove him wrong? And so you know you go back and you redouble your efforts and you you know, I mean whatever you know. There's a, a myriad of choices that would be um, yes. Uh, open to you so the the so then your response then to that clearly fated event i mean again whether we would say it's predestined maybe that's not exactly right but certainly we could look at a chart for that moment and determine that certain dynamics were in play uh so that is in a sense speaking strictly from an astrological point of view that's something that we can certainly point to as being an, an external symbolic arrangement of forces well you know, no doubt we, but then that has yeah. nothing to do with fate now we're on something totally no, well different. it only it's only fate in that it has to do with the fact that it's the interaction then again speaking strictly from an astrological perspective it's it in the interaction between those forces and your the seed potential that's expressed in your horoscope yes and that is something that you know given the you know, to use Descartes' term, you know, the, the clockwork nature of the universe is something that would occur at that moment in time. Now, would we be able to prognosticate that, you know, that it would be, you know, that faded for you, you know, and that it, 
your whole life could ride on that moment. Well, Maybe that's not, the thing. You use the example of the rock star that then say yeah. he was when you say, okay, fated to be a rock star, I was thinking, okay, but imagine if that person had been born in the 18th century, and let's say his name was Christoph Willibald Gluck, you know, the famous opera composer. Sure, I, I know that. I know I, you know him, but maybe the listeners don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. He was wildly popular. Uh, would you yeah. say, well, if this person, theoretically with the same chart, I know it's not possible, but then we could say, suppose a civilization a million years ago where, where exact same constellations were in play. Because sooner or sure. later, they would repeat, right? Uh, yeah. And back then, they didn't have rock stars. They had, say, opera composers. Would yeah. What does the fate say? Does, would the fate be determining he's going to be a wildly popular composer of songs, or he's going to be a, a rock star specifically? What, what is well, I mean, I, I, think, I think we'd have to have historical context for that. Uh, on a completely unre unrelated but slightly related note, uh, my, my colleague Eileen Grimes is convinced that Mozart reincarnated, reincarnated recently as the fantastically gifted guitarist Eddie Van Halen of the group Van Halen, and she's written a whole essay on, oh. on the fact that, that Mozart came back as a rock star. And that makes perfect sense to me from a uh, from the standpoint of, of reincarnation. That, well, you know, he if was you a spendthrift, and he always, for that reason, had money problems. He earned enough money, but he liked to spend yeah. money, so maybe he thought, this time I'm going to really make the big bucks. Yeah, well, think, yeah, think about that, you know, that all these, all these uh, art, artists who, you know, sacrificed themselves on the altar of high yeah. art and, and had to work labor at the, again, at the whims of these... Uh, aristocrats who knew nothing right and who yes. you know who could pull the plug on the financing at a moment's notice and uh wouldn't yeah. it be interesting if they all decided you know screw it i'm going to come back i'm going to be a, i'm going to be a popular artist next time around and i'm going to make money and uh that's a it's a fascinating well, uh, was, idea what was the name of this person you mentioned uh oh the guitarist eddie van halen yeah eddie he van a, halen yeah he was a brilliant guitarist and he named his kid wolfgang and you know she said well it's oh, a question of, of, of yeah. comparing of studying his music and seeing if it reaches the level of mozart or beyond because now mozart has one more life so he should be even better than he was then right? yeah yeah well in terms of you know his uh, impact on popular culture and his uh, no 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 but that's a totally different thing yeah i well, mean the quality yeah, of the music itself of course yeah that would be hard to Assess, I would I, I would think I've never heard of this guy, and I could be totally yeah. wrong, but I think probably yeah. he was no Mozart musically. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. I mean, rock is a much simpler uh, musical uh, medium than than classical, for sure. But just in terms of the, uh, you know, the fulfilling that thing, which often eludes, you know, high artists, which is actually yeah. being able to make a living, you know, uh, it would certainly be, it's an interesting fulfillment thereof. Uh, but yeah, no, your, yeah. your points. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm always skeptical when I say, "Oh, well, it's kind of like the madman in Bedlam, a, a modern day Bedlam, you know, mental institution saying I was Napoleon in a way. You know, why is it all? <laughs> because you know, one of my specialties are unknown composers, and there are so oh, yeah, many thousands of geniuses say back in the 18th century. There's so many around, and this guy could be an incarnation of one of them. Maybe he likes Mozart because he knew Mozart, for example. But that he yeah, was sure. Mozart—that's a huge leap. And something that yeah. people in reincarnation are also are all too willing to make because it's kind of you know they think well you know this person likes Mozart and he's so popular and so I think he was Mozart. It's like saying he, yeah. she was the queen of Sheba or you know Nefertiti yeah. and not one of the many other thousands of notables back then because they don't even know their names. You yeah. see, so no, I'm, sure. I'm skeptical about such. Oh yeah, no, I I, I think your, your skepticism is well warranted, I, and I don't know whether he himself 
believe that, but he was certainly fascinated by yeah. Mozart. I mean, unless this and, woman is a, a true, like Edgar Casey type psychic, and says that, well, then that gives it more weight. But no, I don't no, know she's a re- she's a researcher like us. She's very very methodical in her research. And, uh, okay, yeah, but it's not I the same. As I have I haven't read her arguments, you know, but it's but it's an interesting idea that all these. That said, all yeah. these starving artists would decide to come back and say, "Screw it, I'm going to come back and be a pop star and make millions." You know, uh, uh, it's it's just an intriguing idea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Handel was making good money then, though. Then he had financial crises. It was like up and down with him yeah, in the opera but, world, of course. And of course, these yeah. days, I, you know, he's John Williams, right? I mean, he's he must yeah, if he's, exactly. If he's alive now, he would go to Hollywood. He'd be making yeah, ex- exactly. Or or Wagner, you know, who was broke. Oh my God, oh, Wagner, yeah. running from the police his whole life, and uh, yeah. only finally had got his hands on money because Mad King Ludwig decided he had the hots for him and wanted to help him out. You know, yeah. I mean. You could think Wagner saying, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to be Stephen Sondheim next around, next time around." Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. to hell with this, to hell with this Gesamtkunstwerk. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of Rudolf Steiner and what he said about the past life of Karl Marx. You ever read that? No, no, no. He said, "Well, of course, Steiner was against communism. That you know, what sane person isn't? <laughs> yeah. Unless the sane person wants to dominate everybody else in the world, had to get in my anti-communist." Sense, That's okay, right? No yeah. problem. You understand, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But he said, that, I read this many years ago. Steiner said that in a past life, because Steiner supposedly was clairvoyant, I don't know how far his clairvoyance went, but anyway, he said that uh, Marx was living in uh, the Middle Ages and it was like a, well, the feudal system, of course, and there was the lord of the castle there, but everybody else was peasants. And Marx felt such an intense envy of what the rich guy had, that he then organized the peasants to start a peasant revolt. But really, it wasn't about helping the peasants. It was just because of his envy. He wanted the power and the money. Sure. I yeah, take that yeah. with a, a huge grain of salt, because yeah. I've seen no evidence that Steiner was an Edgar Casey as far as you know being a psychic is concerned. Uh, yeah. But nonetheless, it would be interesting, and it is thinkable it could be like that. But then such stories we can piece together about anybody, and they would seem to make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, sure. Uh, but sure. to get back to fate, because uh, I mean, fate as reflected in astrology is one thing, but fate exactly what it is is another thing. Uh, an example: a doctor and his friend are walking down the street, and they see some drunk in the street, right, and with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Yeah. And the doctor says, if he keeps drinking a bottle of whiskey a day, he's there's a good chance he's going to be dead in a year. Yeah. Okay, at 11 and a half months later, they go by and there's the same drunk. And then the doctor says, this man's going to be dead in a few weeks. Then it's it's fate. In other words, when he said it a year ago, well, if he stops drinking, you know, he could save himself. But if he keeps, he's going to drink himself, keeps on, he's going to drink himself yeah. to death. But it reaches right. a certain point where, no, now it's too late. Now it's fate. Now you're going to die because you drink too much. So at what point does fate really become fate? And if it's a thing like so many people think, oh, I met this beautiful woman and, oh, yes, we're going to get back. I know this is our fate. For example, mm-hmm. I have a friend who every – he was kind of romantically inclined. And whenever you meet a girl, yes, this is my – when Spanish to say princesa azul, my like uh, – my blue princess. It means like my perfect – the perfect woman. We would say this is my uh, perfect woman. And every yeah, girlfriend uh, he had was this perfect woman. Uh, but then, uh, you know, there's a divorce along the way and all these breakups and everything, and he never did find yeah. that, <laughs> that yeah, person. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. 
so it's so easy to convince us or something bad happens. And this gets the, a point that I think is really interesting in this context. Mm -hmm. The title of this podcast was it meant to be something that always disturbed me. And I noticed much more when my mother died, the most traumatic period of my life. I suffered more than I ever did before. I was taking care of her in the weeks she died of cancer and the weeks before she died. And I noticed a thing more starkly than ever before, though I had noticed it before. When somebody's sick, the family, oh, yes, let's do this for, let's see if we can use, let's we can do this. and get. But then once the person dies, they say, well, it was meant to be. Well, if it was meant to be, then why do you even send her to the hospital in the first place? Well, she didn't get chemotherapy, thank God. She would have died weeks earlier if she had. Sure. Uh, one doctor even told us that, but the oncologist lied to us, and she wanted to make it love a thousand bucks. That's another story that listeners can read about in the book I wrote on cancer, a rational approach to cancer treatment and why big pharma doesn't want you to know it. Or some, I don't remember this, the title of written so many books, but you can look sure. that up, a free book, by the way. But yeah, the idea that, uh, that before something happens, well, we have to do everything possible. But after, oh, well, it was meant to be. But if that's your attitude in general, then we, we shouldn't have to try medicine at all because if the person's gonna die, it's meant to be. And if they're not gonna die, it was meant to be. So I always thought that was so illogical that people would react like that. Of course, it's to protect themselves emotionally because they sure. tell themselves, oh, maybe we didn't do everything. Then they're going to feel even worse. So they say, well, it was meant to be. But to me, that's a, a cheap way out. And uh, I just can't really accept it. Now, maybe it was meant to be. And maybe it was meant to be that I had to suffer so much, taking care of my mother, hoping, trying to get her on a path that might lead to her getting better, a path she didn't really want to accept, and maybe it wouldn't have worked anyway, maybe it was meant to be. But yeah. I just noticed that strong difference between before the person dies and after the person dies. Uh, uh -huh. I could use this like looking for the perfect girl for you have a friend who finds him, oh, I'm so in love and everything, and it doesn't work out. He says, well, I'm sure it's better that way. It was meant to be as a consolation, but it's nothing but a cheap consolation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think talking about fate in the abstract is is certainly a naughty problem for any of the number of reasons that we've discussed. But, but one of the things we can certainly speak about from our perspective is this idea of, um, how would we put it, you know, a correlation between the unfolding dynamics of the horoscope and outer events, which, again, while we wouldn't necessarily want to necessarily... Uh, apply the overarching rubric of fate to that, we could certainly say that on such and such a date, this thing is going to happen. And it may yes. be, in fact, that outer events occur in the life of that person that reflect that on some yes. archetypal level. Does that make, make sense? Uh, yes, but, but when you say on such and such dates, this or that's going to happen. I know of yeah. no astrologer that using only astrology that can sex successfully do that, unless it's just a a chance hit. Yeah. I mean, I, no, again, I, I would argue I probably in my considerations of fate are almost always arguing from the, with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. <laughs> well, that's the problem. It's what they call in German, yeah. uh, metagnosis. I think in English they use that word differently, but German has yeah. prognosis, prognosis and metagnosis. Yeah. That's the hindsight. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. easy to say, Oh, well, the person's dead. Well, they died because of that, because of the drinking. But if they're still yeah. alive and drinking, it's harder to say they're going to die because of drinking, unless you know a lot more about them, exactly how much they drink it's, and how strong their system is, how strong their will to live is. You don't know those things. Sure. Metagnosis in how I define it here. The hindsight, as you said, is always very easy. But then yeah. 
when you're speaking to clients or friends or even for yourself to say what's going to happen. That's notoriously hard. And I think it's it's just chance if you haven't hit upon it, unless you say, for example, somebody's going to have Saturn square sun. You can say you're going to have Saturn square sun. No doubt right. you can and say it, that. And if you yeah. know what Saturn is basically and what the sun is basically, then the whole panoply of possibilities that be will be floating around in your mind. And so that exactly you can say right. with certainty, you're going to experience something Saturn sun. But of course, sure. the client isn't satisfied with that. They want to say, well, what's it going to be? I'm going to lose my job, lose my wife, or just discipline myself more. You say, well, I don't know, but you're going to have Saturn sun. So for yeah. a practical work with clients, this is a practically no use which is maybe why so many astrologers say about the works of Dane Rudyard, really great astrologer, yeah. say, well, I can't yeah. use this for anything practically. But I yeah. think Rudyard was on to something, and that's also my path, though it's not exactly his, of course, and where we yeah. necessarily see things in, well, in specifics in astrology. But it's important yeah. to get to the basics of things to really understand what could be going on. But then you have to actually be an astrologer to have a pretty good idea of what could happen. And even then you can be fooled. Because well, sure. You, I mean, the whole idea is that these things can manifest on this vast spectrum of possibility. So it'd be very difficult to, even though there would be a certain archetypal consistency, nevertheless, you know, to say, oh, well, yeah, Saturn's son, your father's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> or you might, you might have a heart attack or, you know, you break your leg, you know, or you, you know, I mean, yeah. whatever it is. But if you kind of like, oh, you have, you have Saturn and Pluto both square your son. Well, yeah, it looks like your father's going to die. Oh, my God, please. I'd like the second opinion. Well, with the positive side, it could be that's you that's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not your father. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, right, right. Yeah. So, and, or maybe, and, you know, most likely, depending on your age, nobody's going to die <laughs> because right. that happens a lot, too. Right. Well, sure. And we would not want to, you know, um, arrogate such power to ourselves as to say, Oh yes, this is strong likelihood that you're. Although I'm, I mean, I th I think there are those individuals who have had that certainty, and of course within the Vedic tradition, you know, they have so much yeah. more rigor in terms of their ability to prognosticate events than we. Well, yes, but with or, that, I, I'm convinced of something. I learned through experience back in the early '90s. I was working with some guy who had yeah. an esoteric shop. You know, typical thing selling objects. I had a, an astrology program. We're selling printouts. You know. Typical yeah, astrology. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing some consultations too. Well, he, yeah, yeah. he uh, Hanio was his artistic name, Hanio. Oh, that's J A N I O. Yeah, I don't know. He'd be a little older than I am now. Uh, I, I haven't had yeah. contact with him for decades, really, since yeah. the mid 90s, I guess. Anyway, he also did astrological interpretations. And I met a woman once and I said, well, and she said, well, I'd like to have, I wasn't doing interpretation at the time, uh, but he was. I had given them up for a number of reasons. And she said, well, could you arrange that I have an interpretation done with Hanio? I said, fine. And she said, well, could you be there? And I said, well, I don't care. And Hanio didn't care. It was like a friend of mine then. So he interpreted the chart. Now, what did he see in this woman's chart? Uh, well, no, I should say she gave him the chart of her boyfriend. Right. And the boyfriend had Neptune in Libra in the third house. And Hanio said the following, this boyfriend of yours he has a sister, and this sister has some kind of severe illness, and she's bedridden. And so that, for that reason, this sister lives in his house, and he takes care of her. I mean, he was so – and I said to him afterwards, 
Haniu, I'm a better astrologer than than you are. I know that from astrological knowledge, but I and no astrologer I knew could ever have said these specifics. How how did you do that? Yeah. And he laughed and reminded me of something they had told me before. He said, well, you remember I told you I'm psychic. I used the chart to focus in general. Neptune yeah. and House 3 could mean thousands of things. But then well, my sure. psychic ability tells me what this particular case is. And I said, oh, right. ah. And I am convinced that in so many cases where astrologers are right on the mark, they're basically using psychic ability, but they don't know it. Hanio knew that he had psychic ability. But a lot of people don't realize it, and they see, for example, Neptune in the third house, and something tells them to say, oh, this man has a sister, not a brother, a sister, and the sister has a serious illness, and she is bedridden, and she lives in his house. I mean, that's a lot of specifics. I mean, you know, that's not coincidence. Uh, And I think a lot of astrologers do this. Yeah, but if you ask the astrologers, how did you see this astrologer? They say, well, because Neptune's in three. They say, no, wait a minute. Here are a hundred other charts, Neptune in three, and none of those have that situation. So how did you do it? And they can't – they say, well, I just knew it. Uh, and I, this yeah. is one of the problems with astrology and with astrological interpretation. There are astrologers around and the good ones giving good interpretations, and they think it's with astrology. And maybe it might be more complex. It could be Neptune in the third house, and it's also this asteroid here. And this – and combining it all – leads to this and no i'm convinced it's their psychic ability because mm-hmm. astrology simply cannot do that sort of thing yeah well, there's a fascinating book written by jeffrey cornelius i don't know if you know his name no, he's the he's the head of a group in in the uk uh, called the company of astrologers i think and they sort of assembled themselves back in the 90s and as a rebuke to the psychological astrology movement which they felt yeah. was taking over and um they they work very much with um horary but oh, yes. in his in his book the moment of astrology which is really quite brilliant he talks about the fact that we we want to see this art and i'll use art rather than science mm-hmm. although and i think there's a good argument for both we want to see this art as being one of complete rationality. You know, we have in the modern era, and of course, even before that, you know, we have these computers and we can erect these charts and we can say, oh, this is happening such and such, and this is here and this is that. But the simple truth is there's this additional component, which he calls Psi Neptune, right? Which is exactly what you're talking about. This notion that there is a divinatory aspect to everything that we do we we want to see it in these lovely apollonian terms but there is this irrationality that um that peaks out you know and 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 really is is much part and parcel of our art as anything else and there's nothing wrong with that it's fantastic no of course not no of course not and see i don't endeavor to, to prognosticate um you know that's that's something i have trouble with so uh as i said my my analysis is strictly after the fact. I look at people's lives that I, I come in contact with that fascinate me, and then I, I try to interpret them, you know, knowing what I know. And I, and I do see often some remarkable things that occur, you know, that, that would certainly suggest that these individuals were predisposed by, you know, what do we want to call it, karma, you know, or, you know, just by the sheer... Um, Charisma, I think I've used that word with you before, of the, you know, the stars that attended their birth, you know, to experience certain things in their lives. Yes. Would I be able then to flip it around on its head and say, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you if you'd come to see, to see me at such such a time, I would have said, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. Mm, yeah, probably not. 
you know, but I mean, but I think there are practitioners like your friend who certainly can and do, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Whether yeah, they well, should it's a question not, of, of realizing that you're doing it. In his case, he knew how he was doing yeah. it. He used the chart just to just to focus on something in general, and then the vision started coming. Yeah. And if you're conscious of that, then well, you can you can present it like that to people. You can say this is the way I work, and it worked extremely well for him. I I was just flabbergasted with the things he could say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, the problem is when astrologers don't realize they're doing that, then they use that as an example in their next book and say, look what astrology can do. And no, that's not astrology. That's your psychic ability. And this is one of the great yeah. problems in astrology as I see it, uh, yeah. that we have to know what is what. I think astrology, yes, can be treated as a science, and that's the path of the – well. Uh, research astrology, Paul Westeran, one name that we were talking about before we started recording here officially, right. and right. Uh, or Michel Gocalin, of course. And that's yeah. a very valid path to see just what astrology can do. That's going to be a very slow path, though, because when you get to the point when you not only can say, well, the probability that your son's going to be a military man is 2% higher than normal, which means nothing to an average client, of course. Uh, yeah. To the point where we can actually say detailed things about people and every single thing we say has been verified by huge statistical studies. Well, that's going to be many, many yeah, decades no, in the future. Yeah. I, well, I mean, and um, the question I would have is, do we really require that? To, to and, and is it even possible because of the astrological yeah, yeah. twin concept uh, Maybe yeah. we talked about that before in one of our podcasts, but two people born in the same time, the same place, but they're not real twins. They're different families, but born in the same second, hypothetically. And yeah. so they have exactly the same chart, but one of them has one line of development and the other a different one. The studies I've seen have shown that there are parallels that maybe they both get married within the same two-month period, the same year. Okay, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And maybe if they're born the same second, it would be they get married in the same day. Okay. But then their wife is different. Their children are different. Uh, their financial circumstances are almost well, certainly not exactly the same, right? And yeah, their health yeah. is different. There's genetics to, you know, so th that that example of astrological twin shows the very limits of astrology. And it does have very set limits, beyond yeah. which you cannot pass. And that's why I like talking about astrological twins. Yeah. It shows us just what we can't do. Right. Yeah, I would certainly concur that we we cannot do everything. And, uh, yeah, but within our framework, there's sure a whole lot that we can do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That's our playground, and we stay in our playground, but in that playground, there are a whole lot of fun rides and things we can <laughs> games oh, we can play there Whatever. certainly are fun rides <laughs> well what would you call them like uh i guess like a, a sliding board isn't exactly a ride or they call that a ride i'm thinking more amusement yeah. park yeah yeah <laughs> you know the, yeah i don't know even though the names of these things you see in play well, there's a sliding board what well, the swings and the <laughs> teeter-totter yeah. whatever they call these funny things <laughs> oh yeah not that astrology is a game. I'm certainly not saying that. It, it fascinates me. It has for most of my life. Uh, once I saw that there was something to it. But yeah. now, yeah, with the fate thing, uh, I'm still fascinated by the very concept of fate itself, what it yeah. means, what it implies. Uh, uh, now, what do you think of the idea, because some actually say this, that the soul actually chooses more or less the big things in life before the person is born. 
and the soul yeah, thinks, I, I, I'm going to incarnate and I want to experience these sorts of things or maybe certain specific things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, there's a contract that uh, is is entered into. But in that case, it is free will, but we are deciding, just like I decide to jump off the building because I want to kill myself because my great love left me or whatever. <laughs> Not that I ever do such a thing. <laughs> it's more like Casanova, if you've ever his memoirs, he once said, I've loved women to the point of insanity, but I've always loved myself a little more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a great Casanova quote. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, the person who jumps off building because of you know love, grief, or whatever. But then it could be before he was born, he decided that's the way I'm going to end my life. Because yeah. of this woman or some other woman, I want to end my life committing suicide. So in that case, even though in this life it could be fate because once you decided it as a soul – and you stick to that plan, you're going to do it. So from this life's perspective, it is fate. On the other hand, you have you yourself have determined that fate. Yeah. And there, there yeah, would remain but... only the question of whether you, during the course of your lifetime, could change that fate by simply reprogramming your mind and deciding subconsciously, or maybe even semi-consciously, no, I'm not going to do that in this life. I'll do that in the next life instead, mm -hmm. if, if need be. Well, again, I think we, we are always presented with choices. I mean, if even if in in that realm between the worlds, you know, call it the Bardo, call it whatever you want, we uh, make these decisions for ourselves. The incarnating soul makes these decisions. Once we enter into the realm of Saturn in physical form, we no longer re recollect that in any conscious way. Yes. Right? And so, I mean, I think then our choices here could certainly inform either the nature of that next incarnation, you know, uh, depending on what they are. Could it be also that because time is totally relative and at a higher level, maybe there is no time, maybe everything is one. Could it not yeah. be that in this life, even though we have such a fate that is such a plan we've conceived before we were born, that at some time we can change it by essentially, at least on a deep subconscious level, going back in time and changing that decision of our soul? Uh -huh. Yeah, sure. Why not? That might be possible as well. I, I, I'm yeah. really going down the rabbit hole here. You've noticed. yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Um, I, um, I mean, it's you know, it's a fascinating subject. I, I, one thing occurred to me when we were sitting here talking is the idea that traditional astrologers, you know, Renaissance astrologers, medieval astrologers, mm -hmm. would have had no no difficulty at all in engaging with this in in their practice, right? I mean, those right. types of traditional practice were preoccupied with just those very questions. How long am I going to live? Who am I going to marry? How much money am I going to Well, have? it's still what interests clients most. I mean, very mundane, yeah, yeah. Yeah. practical things. Yeah, yeah. Right? but they had no reservations about it, right? So they clearly saw that, that the horoscope was an indication on some specific level of the individual's destiny and, and that they could divine that again. No probably, doubt, yeah. Right? Yeah. That uh, understanding from a consideration of its dynamics. We have become rather more, what's the word I would use? Well, I mean, I think we would labor under this, this burden here in the West of having had our esoteric inter, you know, tradition interrupted not once but twice, right? First with the fall of the Roman Empire, and yeah. then second with the, you know, the arrival of the uh, scientific paradigm as well as the disapprobation of um, you know the Roman church if not necessarily all the, the, the you know the uh, Christian churches 
both of those things have done great damage to the Western necessary tradition, you know, and yes, so I think yes. we're, we're on rather more tentative ground, unfortunately, as a consequence, you know, we don't, we don't have, you know, centuries of, of, of practice to, you know, to, upon which we can pitch our tent, right? And at the same time, the rise of disciplines such as psychology. Yeah. And then the, is, the natural attempt on the part of psychologists who become astrologers to impose psychological theories onto astrology. Right, right yeah. And that's and exactly considering that Jeffrey, more scientific and more, I don't know, more, more modern than old traditional yeah. astrology. Yeah, yeah. And that's the very thing that the uh, Jeffrey Cornelius and his, his people were objecting to was the fact that, you know, astrology was really being co-opted by um, psychologists, you know, and... Uh, well, it Which is, I yeah. yeah. And I mean, and I think Jung really um, had great respect for astrology, but I, he, I don't think that he felt that psychology was superior to it because he himself was quite fascinated. As I know, you probably know, he conducted his own, you know, astrological experiments. And uh, of course, of course yeah. the, the interesting irony is that his daughter, Gret Baumann Jung, became quite a well-known astrologer. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, so Jung certainly, I think, had great respect for astrology, even if he didn't completely no doubt, understand yeah. it, and even if he didn't totally, you know, want to throw his uh, considerable weight behind it, you know. Uh, right, yeah. But, uh, well, you know, if traditionalists are correct in, you know, predicting concrete things, and if there is yeah. such a thing as fate, then, uh, okay, you go into a casino. What is fated to come up here, red or black? Yeah. Right. And you could say, well, no, if there's no people playing, then it's really just chance. But as soon as somebody plays, whether red or black comes up is of great importance. I mean, a, a thought experiment would be two people go to a casino and they both have taken all their money out of the bank and they've put mortgages on their house and they take that entire sum. There actually was a case where somebody, I think he was considering suicide or something. Who was the name yeah. of this guy? Many, like back in the 20s or whatever. And he decided, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to take out a mortgage, second mortgage in my house. I'm going to get all the money together, go in and put it on red. And if I lose, okay, I'm, I want to commit suicide anyway, so that gives me more reason. But if I win, I might have reason to live, and he actually won. <laughs> he won this large yeah. amount of money. I don't know what casino he was in because normally they have limits as to what you can play, but I'm sure he found yeah. one where there were no limits, at least for the funds that he had. But yeah, two people go in the casino. One takes all his money and puts it on black and the other on red. Wouldn't it be predictable astrologically whether black or red is going to come up indirectly? Because you say, well, one is going to win a huge sum of money and is going to rejoice and the other is going to be totally depressed. And if you look at their charts and you have the birth times, Theoretically, yeah. you should be able to predict whether red or black is going to come up. Sure. Well, you know, you or can not. look, you or can not. use the symbol and say, yeah. you know, if, if red is going to come up, well, Mars will assume prominence in, in the chart of the moment. Or if it's black, it'll be Saturn, right? So, you know, there's that, uh, you could use that objective criterion and see. see yeah, well, the question would be that. then what sorts of experiments could one do without, you know, risking, you know, house and home and, and all what's fun on another level? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, red and black, you have a little roulette wheel or flipping a coin or whatever, and two people, and yeah. heads or tails. One chooses heads, one tails, and both agree on that. But you say the one that gets heads is going to get a kiss by a beautiful girl, and the one that gets tails is going to get a slap in the face. 
well, even there, you're going to slap in the face is much less pleasant. So couldn't you say, and you do this a hundred times, and could, would you be able to predict be, because of their transits, even mundane transits, you know, very short-term transits, how often heads or tails are going to come up? Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could. I mean, if they're having a, you know, a, a beneficial Jupiter transit, you know, they might be luckier, you know. Yeah, could you? Because such experiments could be done. I mean, originally I thought of that as somebody goes yeah. up the top of a building and says, well, should I jump off or not? Yeah. Well, could you predict that based on the transits? If they have bad transits, they're going to jump off. If they don't, something's going to happen to keep them from jumping off that building. Sure. Sure, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I have my doubts it. about that. I think maybe that's a limit of astrology. I'm not really sure. How many yeah. people jump off buildings when they have good constellations? A good well, we, we, we'd, we'd, have to, we'd have to research that. Yeah, you could say, well, probably none. They almost have you know, bad Saturn, Pluto, Mars, yeah. whatever. But maybe yeah. that's not the case. And if it's not the case, that's a problem for astrology, isn't it now? Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, I certainly wouldn't have a a definitive answer to that you'd have to do the kind of statistical analysis that would probably be almost impossible <laughs> you know to try to to get the uh, the specifics of all the people who decided they were going to jump off buildings you know and uh, and then see if there's any uh, common factors involved in the transits yeah would, and how much does so. fate really play a role at all uh, I, I always have seen fate as something one of those terms we use to hide our ignorance of course, there are others as yeah. well, but we say something's fate when we, we don't have explanation for it, so we say it's fate. What are some of those other terms? There, once I had written down a, a number of those terms, we say, oh, instinct. Why do the birds do this? Oh, it's instinct. I really didn't explain anything at all. Uh -huh. Does it? Uh, uh, you have to explain uh -huh. what is it? Is it, you know, why do they fly in a certain direction? Well, okay, if you say it's because of the electromagnetic field of the earth and they have a receptor for that, well, that's science. We say, well, it's instinct. Yeah. That doesn't really explain anything. It's another one of those terms we use to, to, to mask our ignorance. And fate yeah. has always seemed to belong to that category of concepts to me. Uh, uh, yeah. the, the ancients believed in fate, the parkai, you know, the, 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 the women like goddesses there that were unweaving or unraveling or, you know, sewing together the path of the oh, future yeah. for yeah. each individual. Yeah. Uh, they all had... But just how much is that really valid? Uh, and people use words like, oh, it was my faith. But they, and then you say, well, what is faith? Really, I have no idea what to tell you. And that's also a sign that maybe they haven't thought it through too well. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, when, when um, <clears throat> again, I think to return to my, my earlier example, where you have a certain um, something, you know, that you want, to, you want to be in life, or, you know, you have a certain sense of who you are, and you, you marshal all your efforts, and you do everything you think you should do is right, and you get to that crucial point where the make-or-break thing is whatever it is, and um, you do everything you should, and it still doesn't happen, then you sort of have to say, okay, well, was I unprepared? No, probably not. Did I, did I, Lack of the talent? No, I definitely didn't. Did I lack experience? No, I definitely yeah. didn't. Um, and yet, I mean, I'll, I'll use myself as an example, okay? Um, I had an active operating career a number of years ago, and then I had a brief resurgence of it, you know, uh, about, uh, well, I guess it's 20 years ago now. Um, and uh, I had the good fortune to hook up with a, an older Italian man who recognized my talent and who had a, a, a form of knowledge that was 
practically extinct in terms of how to make people sing well. Mm. And through his influence, I may began to connect with people of some influence in the opera world. So, so things happened for a while, but then it, it all just sort of petered out. But for me, the coup de grace was we were in um, teaching in, in Zurich and I had been in touch with this agent in Vienna and uh, he'd known me from years before and he thought the voice had potential. And uh, I thought I was singing pretty well. And uh, yeah, I said, you know, I could come to Vienna and sing for you. And he said, okay, yeah, why don't you come? So we go on this trip to Vienna and, uh, you know, and I sang a pretty good audition and, you know, he was impressed. He said some very complimentary things, but he basically told me that, unless I were to move to Europe that he couldn't do a thing for me. Yeah. And then he offered me some, something that I felt was so far beneath what I thought I should be doing with my voice that uh, it was practically insulting, although I didn't actually say that to him. Yeah. And so, and so for me, that was the end. Now, is that the workings of fate? Well, it certainly is. I would say it's the workings of fate in that despite all of my efforts, it, it was not to be uh, come to fruition. Now, what I would say to you as well is that in light of the events of the last 19 months, I really feel that fate had a different, uh, different task. For you know, me. I was going to say, I, often it's a question of will, and would you have really wanted that, really, really wanted that path? It's just mainly just opera singer, because you're yeah. multi-talented. And yeah, I would yeah, tend no. to think maybe you didn't really want that 100%. Well, I, ne- I, I mean, I never had, you know, Sun Square Saturn, David, right? So, you know, that's often the, uh, and Leo Cap, you know, those are yeah. often signifiers of people who achieve a great deal, you know, according to the uh, cliches. Um, right, yeah, yeah. But um, I never wanted, um, I mean, I was never hugely ambitious. I'm, I'm always amazed at when I consider the lives of some of these people that become hugely famous how clear their motivations are, how, how they're, how, um, you know, how how they can envision exactly how their career is going to unfold and what, you know, what they want it to be. I never had that. um, And and there's a certain ruthlessness to that. I think, you know, um, I never had that for myself. I was never a combination of, uh, yeah, of uh, what would it be of, uh, first of all, really wanting to do that on the one hand, but then combined with ambition. Yeah, yeah, and that and gives the edge that. when you really want to something. You also have ambition because it's not the same yeah. thing, obviously. Yeah, and I never had that raw ambition. So hey, it's like instance, it's like list and alcan, you know. Uh, right, sure. Yeah, that's a good example. Went for my listeners. List, of course, one of the greatest pianists of all time. He's a real showman in the nineteenth century, uh, but then uh, alcan. There was another pianist in Paris, and that. It said that he was the only one that list said he's better than I am, something like that, right? Oh yeah, oh, but no, but very few. Well, now more people play his works, but he was a recluse, and so he he just for him it wasn't important to be the showman and to be the rock star of the 19th century at the piano, right? Right. So he did, he lacked that ambition of list, but he had every much the pianistic talent and, and playing ability. Yeah, and it's kind of like that difference. If you have that level of talent and you also have ambition, then you're going to win in the end, as far as the ambitious goals are concerned. Right. But if you don't have that circuitry, you know, let's again, let's go back to our, yes, yes. Let's go back to our astrological paradigm. Then even presented with those circumstances, it's like I'm a very seventh house person, so 
at that point in my life, would I sacrifice my relationship in order to have, a, you know, an international career? Yeah. No. Right. No, of course. And so not. there's the trade-off. So but many would, of and, course. <laughs> there are yeah, many. many, many well, I, I think it's a, almost a corollary that people who have excessive amounts of ambition sacrifice relationship. They may, in fact, you know, have the trophy wife, right, or whatever, yeah. but it's not it's not really a primary motivation for them. Their their career is, you know, whether it be politics or business or whatever. You know, they well, it's they, like they, Napoleon. They, he didn't marry Josephine, did he now? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And that's the thing. But still I think there is an element of, of destiny in that. You know, you you've got the requisite things and you know, maybe you're bringing talents in from a previous life and you you do everything you should, but at some point you're stopped. Right? Whatever and 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 I honestly think that, you know, call it the universe, call it whatever, yeah. that they stopped me so that I could be saved from what's happened to the arts in the last 19 months because the arts have been killed stone cold dead yeah. by this COVID pandemic. And if I were pursuing that path, I would be, I would have gone out of quietly out of my mind, you know, uh, whereas because I've yeah. become, you know, a person, you know, fully wedded to this other perspective on life of healing work and you know energy yes. work and astrology i've been able to continue the promulgating that with with no difficulty so to me that's, that's be much more important than the future it's, yeah oh, not too distant course. future yeah yeah you know but but i would certainly say there's an element of of destiny to that uh, again however is it destiny or is it some guardian angel some would say that <laughs> well sure or your own I mean, inner self or you know I mean, we didn't talk about, we talked about fate. Is destiny the same thing as fate? Because people use them interchangeably. But is it really the yeah. same thing? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm asking because I, you know, I have at the moment, it just cropped, you know, popped into my mind. I don't know whether in a dictionary, probably say it's a synonym, destiny and fate, but is it really the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some philosopher I a, could. Can I share a little quote? With Please. you here from um, Jeffrey Cornelius. This is a lecture he gave somewhere. Uh, it's it's quite interesting, but I won't bore you with too much. But he wrote here: humanistic astrology in the twentieth century. So we're talking Rudyard and the whole psychological school, of course. Yeah. Uh, because astrology, of course, had to separate itself from you know uh, the specter of fortune telling and all those things that got it in trouble back in the eighteenth century. Yeah. Uh, he says it's a noble project. He says as it has attempted to disengage the classical model from fatalism by saying that the birth chart shows potential rather than actuality, right? And, and yeah. we would both concur with that, right? It makes the distinction then that in order to escape that old problem, if you're born, says this school of thought, with a very powerful Saturn, like me, you know, right at the top of the chart, you have the potential for certain experiences of a Saturnine nature. Yeah. Remember, however, he says that this is a velvet glove fatalism because you're still fated to have been born with a Saturn potential. Yeah. It hasn't actually, it hasn't actually escaped the problem. And he's right. So he says yeah. um, a much more radical move is needed to recognize that the very structure of what we do in interpreting horoscopes depends not, on the, not upon the influence of the heaven upon the seed, like Ptolemy would have it, yeah. nor upon some objective time quality stamped out by the heavens, as I think I've advanced that argument. Um, yeah. not even by synchronistic co-occurrence in objective time. Yeah. It depends on the significant presentation of the symbol to consciousness. And, and that's a big thing about his argument is that, you know, 
a chart in and of itself is just a, a bunch of lines and circles and, and symbols yeah. and stuff. It only begins to acquire meaning when an astrologer is there to engage with it. Right? So that the symbols, whatever they are, have to be presented for an astrologer to interpret. And of course, that usually takes place in the, the white heat of, you know, the astrological consultation. Well, isn't that a little like saying the mathematics, you know, it's just a bunch of whatever. It doesn't have any meaning unless there's somebody who discovers mathematics. But sure. but isn't there a kind of flaw in that? Because on the one hand, yes, mathematics is something that we recognize and see and can deal with. But imagine, you know, primitive peoples. Uh, let's go back, I don't know, 100,000 years or whatever. They yeah. knew nothing about mathematics, but mathematics was still in effect in the universe. Yeah. So the same with astrology. It was still in effect. You could say, well, it only has meaning if the astrology, but then something can only have meaning if there's somebody that's able, that, that, that you know, can, can grasp meaning. In other words, yeah. if you go back a few billion years before there's any life, well, in, unless you consider spiritual beings, or, or aliens, there was mm -hmm. no meaning because there was... Nobody to interpret, yeah, sure. Yeah, nobody interpreted, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a meaning there, but the very concept of meaning, you have to have... There has to be somebody, or at some level, where it can exist. In other words, one could say, well, for God it has a meaning, or for God yeah. and the angels, or for God, angels, and the advanced aliens, or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, no, so I don't quite understand what he was saying here. It's almost as if he's saying that astrology, well, the symbolism is only good if there's somebody to interpret it, but the basic of what it is is still in effect. I know, in other oh, words, sure. there's some dinosaur that got that, that got killed immediately by when some big meteor, precisely because it had Saturn square at Sun. One could. That's right. Well, if it, you know, if, if it had an astrologer, it would know that. No. If it just, had an astrologer, <laughs> it would know let me, that. Yes, let me just right. let me just share the last and the and the, and the dinosaurs back. had no astrologers, and they're all dead. So it's it's and, no pity, except for those and, few that survived. You know, every once in a while. And here we thought they were all chain smokers, and that's what it was. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> But anyway, let me share the little bit remaining of his argument here. So he says, so he says, depends on the significant presentation of the symbol to consciousness, i.e. that of the astrologer and obviously the, the querent, right? Yeah. The moment doesn't determine significance for us. We assign significance to the moment. Now that makes perfect sense, right? Because yes. a moment could describe your birth moment or it could describe the moment that, you know, a dog crosses the street, right? So it's the significance of the moment that... Well, but here too, though, imagine this. I'm, I'm playing yeah. devil's advocate purposely because I like to that's get okay. into yeah, more yeah. deeply. That's, uh, that's imagine fine. this. There's a moment in your life that's truly significant. For example, I after college, I went to Passau to go to the Goethe Institute to improve my spoken German, and they had a Christmas yeah. program there. They said, well, if you'd like to stay in Germany longer, you can stay for an extra two weeks. Uh, we will pay for it, and you get travel money to go to one of a number of German cities where they had families willing to take you in, right? And I'll never mm -hmm. forget, I went to the secretary's office that day in that school, and she said, oh, yeah, you want the program? Okay, fine, I'll let me give you a ticket here. And she had a whole bunch of tickets to different cities, and she gave me the one for Kassel. The fact that she gave me one for Kassel led to a serious... There are people on this earth because she gave me that ticket to Kassel and not to Munich, not to Hamburg or whatever. Because there, I met someone with whom I started businesses. We had a music school. We had Americans working for us in Germany. Several of them got married and had children because she gave me that ticket That's to right. Kassel. Now, at the mo now, that was a very significant moment. But at the time, I had no idea it was significant. And astrologer could have said, oh, this looks like maybe a significant time. He couldn't have told me what's going to happen. It's only significant... Oh. 
afterwards when many other things have happened. However, for some divine being, perhaps, I'll make it simple here. God was yeah. smiling, saying, oh, yes, secretary, pick out that ticket to Castle because that's his fate. So in other words, the idea that it's only significant if we're there to give it significance, I didn't give that any significance, but it had yeah. a great significance that could have been recognized by some superior being. I know I'm nitpicking here, but not really. No, no, you know. it's all right. No, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, it, you know, it, we, we can't necessarily, you know, separate the, uh, what's the word I would use, the effect from the mechanism, you know, or even if we don't notice the effect, yes. the, the mechanism is still in play. All I want to say about what this astrologer said was that basically he said, you know, it's only significant. We give it significance. I say, no, it could be significant and we have no idea. Sure. Sure. But we're talking here, obviously, about a certain context. He's talking about the actual uh, astrological consultation. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. So, that's so, yes, that's very obvious. Yes, then he's totally right. Yeah. yeah. So let me continue on here. So assigning significance to the moment, obviously, the moment that someone comes to you, whether it be electronically, or they actually walk through yes. the door is a moment of Kairos, particularly for them, because usually, yeah. if they're going to come to see someone like wackos like you and me, yeah. they've, they've taken a clear step out of, you know, ordinary reality. Yes. Right? So he says, then we see that astrology is about chaotic and irrational signs and omens, I like to use the word omen, of things that are unplanned and can't be predicted. If and when a sign occurs, we read it. There is no technique to make signs and omens occur, but there is a ritual we make to invite the gods and spirits and create the space wherein their sign may occur, the sacred space of the horoscope or yes. the consultation. Then we just see what comes up. The time of astrology is no longer Aristotelian objective time it is the time assigned given by the intentionality of consciousness and that which shows in response comes by grace or providence or chance and he finally writes looking at astrology this way raises more questions than it answers what i have touched on here just skims the surface but divination is at the heart of the issue and how each of us answers that question matters very much yeah so i think i think that's also that's you know, a very good quote you know, yeah, what you've alluded to is this idea of divination, right? Your your exactly, who, yeah, who had had those gifts, you know, was able to marshal them in that context because of who he was, and um, and we all have them, you know. I mean, I, I I don't know that I would ever have the kind of you know unerring uh, exactitude that he did because you know I I do think I have intuitive gifts, but they're not that all-encompassing but you know i certainly have it and they're something that i've cultivated and you know when you're talking to people in a consultation i often look at a person's horoscope and say i got no idea what i'm going to say to this person <laughs> and then in the moment you know it comes to you oh yes right exactly yeah, right you know so yeah that, that's the and that's the irrational component that cornelius is talking about what he calls sign neptune you know where you it is something that the quotidian world isn't terribly comfortable with right this this notion that there's knowledge that comes from a source that we can't really you know uh, tie down we can't really nail it down and say oh this is what happened this is why you know i think so many times that uh, experiments involving astrology conducted yeah. by scientists fail yeah. so miserably because they the context is just wrong oh of course and the experiments yeah. sometimes are not perfectly designed sometimes a lot of yeah. times i know wait they should have designed it this way or that way there's yeah. too many yeah too many holes in that piece of Swiss cheese. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I think you'd really enjoy Jeffrey's book. It's really quite remarkable. 
um, the moment of astrology, you know. But, the moment of astrology. Yeah, it sounds yeah. it sounds fantastic, right? Right along yeah. my my line, really, because I think that the, uh, the psychic moment. I'm very much aware of that, and I realize mm. it's in contradiction to the present day scientific model. And we try yeah. to make astrology and some things like with large scale statistical studies try to make more scientific so it becomes more uh, acceptable in the parlors of, of science. Yeah, well, I, I certainly think that the Gokulans did astrology a great service through their researches. And, oh, and your, your, oh, a tremendous service. I mean, yeah, it's, And it's, your Australian friend, you know, the rigor of his studies. Oh, I, I respect quite, these people so much for their yeah. uh, perseverance. Yeah, yeah. But I would argue Focus that astrology doesn't really need statistical verification, you know, uh, that, it, it, that it is what it is, you know. Uh, but that's my own particular Well, yeah, but uh, see, that's the point I would have more problems with because if most of the the great, uh, what you say in English, uh, I can think of it in German, uh, Treffer or Aciertos in Spanish, uh, the, the, the successes, that's not the perfect word, but when you make the good hits, right? You say yeah. something mm -hmm. to a client and, oh, right yeah. on the mark, right? If yeah. the majority of them are really coming from psychic ability, then why use astrology? Just lay the cards or meditate, if, you know, in other words, that's relegating astrology to another of the many tools you could use to say things to a client. And I think it is more than that. Yeah. Well, it's I just do another think it's more than that. It's another component of the art, that's all I would say. I mean, as I said, your, your friend admitted that he used the, the chart as sort of a, a focusing device and, you know, yes. Uh, but I think we will all do that to a certain extent, obviously. Well, because, that's again, why I, computer horoscopes are never going to be so reliable because they have no intuition or psychic ability whatsoever. I know, it's, it's embarrassing, really. And, and so I mean, for that reason, you, one could also say the limits of astrology, of astrology are the limits of an extremely good computer program, maybe one that doesn't exist yet, one that can make yeah. all kinds of combinations, but only using astrology and nothing else. That's why the development of computer programs that interpret, I think, is still important, because it, yeah. if only to show us the absolute limits of astrological interpretation as astrological interpretation and not astrology plus psychic ability, whether aware person being aware of it or not. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. We need, you know, the, uh, the, the supercomputer that Douglas Adams talked about in the Hitchhiker's Guide. We need deep thought to, uh, to weigh in on astrology. Well, quantum computer, we would say these oh, quantum days. computer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess they exist. They say there are maybe two in the world or whatever, need a yeah. tremendous amounts of energy and all of that. But, you know, China can afford it and so can America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. So. Yeah, but uh, but it, it is it is a naughty topic to be sure, you know. And um, but I I think I'd mentioned to you when we were talking about this before that Dr. Ingrid Neyman, you don't know her, but she's uh, quite a, a, a well-known medical astrologer here. And I I sort of palled around with her for a while because yeah. she she was really into opera, you know. Yeah. And, um, and uh, she said to me that the longer she was an astrologer, the more she believed that people had individual fates that she just saw it time again in, in her work. And, yeah. you know, she did, she didn't elaborate on it, but she was a very skilled astrologer again, probably with a, more than a bit of, of psychic ability, you know, but that she just yeah. uh, was, was convinced that it was something that was inescapable, you know, that's something hard. Well, I do think people have individual fates moment. 
And, yeah. But uh, whether astrology is the very best tool for determining that, I think it's a tool that could could possibly, possibly, possibly indicate that. But I don't think it's the best tool for determining that. That's probably extreme psychic ability. You know, Edgar yeah. Casey level psychic ability. You have sure. this mission in life, <laughs> or or whatever. Uh, sure. Yeah. Again, but I mean, the, the interesting thing about it, of course, is that it, it has these very precise correlations to to specific moments, which again may or may not correspond to. It has one foot in physical reality, which are planetary positions, and that's why I like it. Yeah. Because no, more than psychability, it has it has one foot firmly planted in physics and well planetary motion and planetary position and planetary daily position and that's indisputable i mean we use the same tables that nasa uses right absolutely yeah. and that's why i like it because uh, i mean you know theoretically one could say many other sciences if they would open their minds could also have this other more mystical component in them as well but they negate yeah. that other component I just as very few astrologers negate the psychic component and say, we just want to see what only astrology can do. That would be the equivalent. And I don't think that's right for that, but it's certainly not right for medicine. The best doctor is always the intuitive doctor, right? Yeah, Yeah. of course. Yeah. What I was going to say here, I think there's, there's something to the fact that the mechanics of the paradigm, I mean, however you want to construe it, are something that are completely independent of human endeavor, right? We, yes. we make a note of them, we catalog them, we, we interpret them, but they do represent universals that are beyond our can. And I, I think that also... I was well, also time-wise, you ask a psychic, what kind of day am I going to have uh, today in 40 years? Yeah. Well, in my case, it'd be easy to say, you're going to be dead by then, because <laughs> I'm <laughs> six, about to turn 66. I may, yeah. I, maybe because I'm contrary, I'll say, no, now I'm going to live to be 107 instead of 103. Oh, well, you're very contrary, yeah. <laughs> Just to prove that you're wrong. <laughs> but, you know, a 20-year-old goes to psychic and says, uh, what kind of day am I going to have 40 years from now? And the psychic would probably say, I have no idea. But an yeah. astrologer could give you an idea. Yeah, exactly. Better than so, the psychic in that case. But if it's right. about next week, I think the psychic would almost certainly be able to give you a better idea. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's an, and it's an interesting idea, isn't it? That you could have that degree of exactitude because of the nature of the of the because of the universe. one foot in physical reality that yeah, astrology yeah. has. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I can yeah. calculate your planets for a hundred years from now. The fact that you, yeah. you're almost certainly going to be dead by then. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting sometimes Beside to look point. at at the transits that that dead people have, you know, and and, and like oh uh, yes, yes, you know, suddenly somebody comes comes to be of great prominence to the zeitgeist, you know, and you look and you see, oh, they're having, you know, Jupiter over their ascendant right now, you know, or whatever it is. Like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, as a matter of fact, my father, who died back in 1978, he would be having Saturn on his descendant. And that would be just one of many things that would get him so mad about this pandemic and everything we're witnessing. (laughs) Yeah. How would you interpret that, Saturn on his descendant? Well, Saturn, well, I think the seventh house has to do with thought. I know many astrologers would disagree. I think it's basically at, at the root of thought. Uh, I won't get okay. into why I, I think that now. Of course, it's also <laughs> connecting with people, but it's also what you encounter most basically in your environment. It's the not yeah. you. 
And what we're seeing outside of us now is so horrifying. He knew a lot about history, a lot about current events, politics and such things. He would be totally furious as we are with, you know, what we're uh, witnessing and seeing. Uh, He would also be having, excuse me, he'd also be having uh, the planet Uranus square his ascendant. Oh, okay. And that too, you know, it, it would be elevated. He had a Leo ascendant, and uh, so he would be absolutely outraged at what's going on. As all decent people that know and they can really perceive are, yeah, right. But like you say, it's interesting. I know that's what he'd be going through, but he's long dead, so <laughs> he could be smiling down upon us and thinking, "Well, look, it's going to be a lot more crowded up here in heaven in a couple of years." <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll give you I'll give you a little example of, of something like that, that that happened to me. It's probably mostly subjective, but it's interesting. I got quite fascinated with um, the Titanic for a while. And, oh, yeah. um, I actually set this marvelous poem of, of Thomas Hardy's called The Convergence of the Twain. Um, a very a real tour de force for a for a, a, a basso profundo. I wrote it for a friend of mine. And yeah. I I realized after the fact and i actually wrote an essay for it for for my first book that i began to conceive and, and compose the song at the, the second chiron return of the of the foundering of the titanic and i thought oh wow that's interesting you know because yeah. of course you know great suffering associated with that and, and you know and uh, so that was obviously you know on a small scale you know the the chart of the sinking of the titanic was being triggered and my interest in the poem there was also some interesting connections between you know uh, hardy's chart and mine which i thought was fascinating uh, yeah because he wrote the poem and then i later sent it to music you know but but clearly that was a transit that was long after the the titanic came to rest on the sea floor you know uh, yes yeah but that was just individual consciousness now and that's, I, that's why you're fascinated by titanic and not by the wreck of the hesperus <laughs> Because uh, the Chiron no, return hadn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I wasn't aware of it at, at the time I was writing the song. Yeah. But when I, when I went and started to look at some of the things that were going on, I thought, oh, look at that! It's the second Chiron return. You know, hundred and hundred and two years after or something. You know, we have to do one of these talks just about Chiron because you're into it much more than I have been. I've largely neglected it, neglected it. Not that I don't sure. think it has any significance, but it would be very yeah. interesting to get your insights on that. In one of oh our, yeah, in the near future, one of our talks. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to really... hear more about that. And of course, I'll challenge you as any yeah. capable devil's advocate would do. Absolutely, right? I, I I enjoy that. I I don't I'm not dogmatic about what I think, you know. And uh, yeah, nor am the, I. It's, it's, it might it's sound the... like that to people sometimes, but believe me, people, both of us have very open minds actually. But it's about I mean, evidence. That's right. It's the Socratic method. Yes. <laughs> we're on the path of Socrates, but <laughs> I, want, I just wanted to say, as a, before I get to the very, very end of this, I wanted to say it's been most fascinating. I was thinking of doing like Fate, oh, Destiny, by the way. Uh, I looked that up as we're speaking here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to see the little difference here. Uh, if something like, yeah, Fate is what the cosmos determines for you, and Destiny is what you have determined for yourself. I don't know if that's a good distinction. It's maybe good to make the distinction if it is an objectively good description of it. Uh, I was going to get into just the fate-destiny idea uh, on a more philosophical level. I'm glad you brought in so much astrology to it because we have more 
uh, possibilities of disseminating our talk because so many people are yeah, interested yeah. in astrology Absolutely. and the groups I'm in and everything, uh, that we have solved this problem. I think not, neither of us would say we have because oh, the no, greatest of minds of, of philosophy yeah. have been thinking about this for thousands of years. Uh, yeah. And we might get back to it, at least indirectly, uh, in the sure. future. I think we almost certainly will. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to thank you for this talk as for for every talk. And it's been... Oh, sure. A lot of fun. Fun and, and I would hope, illuminating for people. And at the very yeah. least, people listening to this, especially people in astrology, you should think about these things. Think about what fate is. Don't throw around these terms loosely. Oh, well, you had this happen, but don't feel bad. It was your fate that was meant to be. Think about it before you say that. Yeah. Because we should be trying to get to the truth and not explain away things with easy concepts like fate or whatever meant to be that haven't even been sincerely thought about. Yeah. In other words, well, the, know, philo- the, the astrologist should also be a philosopher, I feel. Not necessarily they study philosophy formally, but they should be a, a natural psychologist and a natural philosopher. And they should be constantly honing their skills in those areas and their insights to be better with, with clients. Yeah, I, and I feel myself to be a, a student of the perennial philosophy, you know, certainly the, uh, that idea that... Uh, well, yes, in your it, case, I mean, <laughs> you're so multifaceted. I mean, you... Yeah. But I know many people with astrology do it in a very superficial way. And oh, they, yeah. They dumb it down. First of all, because that's what clients want. They want a dumbed-down version, essentially. We can get into that in another talk. Uh, yeah. But also because it's the easiest thing to do and not every astrologer thinks very deeply about things in general. I saw that in, in one of the Facebook groups and I will even name it mundane astrologers. When you go in there and present other ideas of what's going on in the world and how they attack you because yeah. so many of them, I'll, I'll say it out loud directly. They're just totally leftist. I, I could say uh, what uh, useful idiots of the deep state. I will even put it that way. Yeah, I, would, I know I they're strong concur. words to use, but uh, the things I experienced in that group when I put up some things very objectively uh, just shocked me at how many astrologers are out there who have no objectivity whatsoever and they're totally mean-spirited. And such people should not be giving advice to anybody in a consultation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it really is astonishing. I mean, you wouldn't think people that at least have the potential to, you know, see how these things are playing out against the backdrop of their knowledge would be so taken in by such an obvious fraud. And, 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 you know, we've talked about it in other contexts, the complete unwillingness to consider that there might be something else going on or that there might be another story that they're. Yes, exactly. Wholly ignorant of. Right. It's really a pity. And I had to throw that in there at the end simply because it, struck my fancy. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. And I think it's important. I think it's important. The astrologer should always be developing him or herself in every area, psychologically, philosophically, deeply thinking about about things. Because it's a yeah. great responsibility once you have a client and you're giving them advice for their lives. That's a tremendous responsibility. Yeah. Oh, it's as, it's so you well so know. prone to the possibility of power abuse. You know that it's. Oh my God! Yes. Well, that's ooh, that's another good. Con- we're gonna have so many good conversations these things, but let's not try to <laughs> push it all into one. I'm sorry for going into that last little comment I made about that group. Yeah, that's all right. But I had to do it because I think it's appropriate at the end. These are serious questions, and fate, destiny. Yeah, 
you might it's one of those things where maybe we'll never be able to get behind it really in this lifetime as you know physical human beings but we have to keep trying absolutely <laughs> we, we have I to mean, keep he, trying he, here you and i are alive at this extraordinary time and i i cannot but view that as as part of our own fate that this is why we we came in this time david i totally agree i can't prove it scientifically but i totally yeah. feel the same thing yeah, I can't that prove there's it There's a reason why we're still alive and kicking. And may yeah. we be alive and kicking for many decades more. Absolutely. And on that optimistic, perhaps all too optimistic note, we can end here because there's nothing on the path of Socrates that says that you can't throw in a little light humor. Is there now? Michelangelo, Absolutely. thank you so much for this talk. Until the next You're time. You're welcome, my dear friend. Okay, bye now. Okay, ciao for now. Thank you.